0: Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide us a speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of the Daily Reprieve.
1: Thank you. Um, my name. I am Kirsten. I'm a sexaholic. Um, I'm grateful to be sober since July seventh, 2015, um, and um, grateful that I have the opportunity to share. Um, yeah, I think I still feel nervous, so I think I'm going to pray again, if you don't mind. (laughs) I'm going to do the third step prayer. God, I offer myself to thee, to build with me, and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them. May bear witness to those I would help, thy power, thy love and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Um, I'm going to start with a reading because I uh, find that really helps me to stay grounded and not caught up in what I want to say. So this is uh, the March 10th, today's reading from The Real Connection, Um, finding the power that God could and would if he were sought. Before starting recovery, I tried my best to control my sexual obsession. Therapy, white knuckling, and making vows I could not keep, absolutely nothing worked. I was helpless until I found the 12 steps of essay. Step 1, 2, and 3 introduced me to the only power that has helped me to stop acting out. In addition to working other steps, I still practice steps 1, 2, and 3 on a daily basis. When lust or my character defects attack me, I pray, sustain me, God, or help me, God, I repeat those prayers until the attack subsides. Then I call my sponsor or others in the program. I may also pray other prayers from our literature, the serenity prayer or the third, seventh or 11th step prayer. Sometimes I sing spiritual songs from my faith tradition, write an inventory or engage in a service project to help others. In that intense moment, when my addiction strikes, I have learned to take refuge in my higher power. I see this as progress since the days when I rely completely on the tools of the program as a child relies on the training wheels of a bike. I still use the tools, but I need the power that comes from my higher power. My daily contact with God fuels my sobriety, recovery, and spiritual growth. God, help me to rely on you. I must or I will die. Um, I didn't really know what I was going to find to read. And then I just opened this and it was very appropriate because it feels like to me, just a share of um, what it looks like to work a program of recovery. Um, and I relate to the beginning part of the reading. Uh, I when I was in my disease, I wanted to control it and enjoy it. And it wasn't a lot of enjoying. It was a lot of controlling. And I tried therapy and white knuckling and religion and circumstances just trying to control and arrange my whole life so that I would not act out and it never worked because it was still me doing all the controlling um and uh let's talk about practicing steps one two and three on a daily basis um I have to keep working steps one two and three because I'm still powerless over lust and sometimes I think oh I've got it like I'm 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 I know how to handle lust, and like lust isn't really a problem. And and then God gives me a nice reminder of like, oh yes, actually, lust is is still a problem. it will be like, you know, some uh, re, like recollection comes to mind of something that I did, or some attractive person says something, or um, you know, I'm I'm unable to leave a really fun event with my friends because I just want to hold on to it for forever and. Or I say some dumb, you know, <laughs> some dumb thing to someone and just want to like, oh, why that? Oh, I'm still a sexaholic. Um, and I'm really grateful that that seems to happen really frequently for me, because uh, if it didn't, I think I would I would be in danger of thinking that I've got everything figured out. And it it really helps me to remind myself, oh, right. I'm still a sexaholic. And that's OK today. I have higher power that I like generally call God that I can give this to that will help me. That will sustain me. Um, and, um, yeah. So (laughs) you saw my, my cat like they like walking in front of my screen and this is just an example of me working my program. It really annoys me that they do that and I like want to throw them off, not like in a hard way, but like, you know, And, um, I have to let go of the fact that I can't control what they do when, when they want to walk around and when they take naps, where they decide that they need to be. (laughs) I can't control any of that, even though I want to. And, and trying to control it leads to me being resentful towards them. Um, so, um, when it comes to step two and three, I feel like I'm still discovering some things about my higher power and what what it looks like to live with him and and like or you know turn my will and life over to him (laughs) and uh I think that recently I've just been learning a lot about letting go of perfection and that God doesn't expect me to do everything exactly right every time Um, that's been really hard because that was one of the things the old ideas that I still had about my higher power for a really long time, just that, you know, if I don't shape up then God's not interested. Um, And I know from practical experience of working the steps, like God shows up even when I'm not perfect. And the fact that I'm sober today is an absolute miracle um, that I had nothing to do with. Um, But even still, like I didn't, know that I still had this old idea sometimes in my head like oh well God still wants me to be perfect and I'm a failure when I'm not doing everything exactly right and uh, you know not perfectly being of service in every waking moment of my life and praying all the time and you know just these crazy ideals that I have that aren't real Um, and it's been relieving of stress for me to really more deeply embrace okay god doesn't expect me to be perfect he expects me to try and and when i say perfect i mean mostly talking about my character defects like i made a prideful response to someone at work (laughs) just trying manipulate them and be passive aggressive or you know um i i was inconsiderate of my friend she really hates like when metal um utensils are scraped against each other and I was just doing it for a prolonged period of time in front of her completely oblivious to the fact that, you know, she was getting really anxious until someone told me because I still don't see other people like as much as I would like to. Um, A large part of my disease is about using other people and treating them like objects, treating them like actors that I can move around because I'm the director and, And I still don't notice others because I'm caught up in my head, uh, more than I would like, but that's kind of part of my continuing working steps one and two and three, just noticing them, those things, surrendering them and, and not totally beating myself up for them, trying to keep more of an even keel. Like, okay, God, I made some mistakes today. Here you go. Here are my mistakes. Thank you for all the things that I did right and one more day of sobriety. Um, I work, um, I was talking about my cats and uh, I had to write a a resentment inventory about them because I was really resentful about them walking in front of my screen while I was on Zoom meetings for work. Um, One of the ways that I work my program is I write inventories, fear inventories and resentment inventories pretty frequently. Um, probably like one or two a week. I'm not totally devoid of emotion um, and I can't always immediately let things go or have the perfect response to something. I wrote a fear inventory um, yesterday, I think, about a project that I'm doing at work that I'm afraid that I'm going to fail at. And then I called my sponsor and told her, that I had written an inventory and I said the Serenity Prayer. And she, it was a voicemail, but um, I felt like by the end of the day, after I, you know, recognized that I was full of fear, took some actions, turned it over to God, and just kept doing the next right thing. The fear is dissipated to a large extent. I still feel somewhat anxious because there's, which is another word for free, for fear, <laughs> um, because of the deadline. And there's lots of things that I need to do, but uh, the, the like gnawing, the knot of fear inside of me is is not a knot anymore. It's just a, a looser feeling. And I know if I keep turning it over, things are going to be okay. I was feeling full of fear today, or about talking, talking in this meeting. And I remember what my sponsor said: just like look outside at the sky and take a few deep breaths. God's got this going to be okay <laughs> and um that that really helps and we have a nice blue sky at the moment which is very helpful <laughs> um just just learning to like let god be in charge and it's going to be okay no matter um no matter what happens in a situation at work or you know with my friends or my family i'm gonna be all right um, so that's a little bit about like my spot inventories. Like I keep writing, you know, my resentment inventories and my fear inventories when they come up, because I can't really handle having those feelings all the time inside of me. I just, when they're there, I have to escape. And, and that was my life all the time when I was acting out. Like I had all of these feelings. And then the only way I knew to handle them was to numb out and to act out and to escape in some manner. Sometimes it wasn't like with acting out. Sometimes it would be with TV or, books or, you know, just travel. Like I need to get away. I can't handle this. And now I feel really grateful that I have tools that help me handle it. And like the reading said, a higher power that is big enough to handle it. Um, and yeah, so that's like my maintenance steps, but I'm actually working step nine. That's where I am, um, in my step work and it's going slowly. Um, but i I feel like some of the promises are coming true, and I never used to get emotional in meetings, <laughs> but I feel like I'm emotional in meetings a lot, and i, I still don't cry, but uh, maybe I'll get there where I can you know like feel my emotions enough to actually live them out, but um even some of my living amends have been really powerful um like i had this piano teacher that i had this huge resentment towards and i have no idea how to find her maybe i'll find her eventually i have a letter you know but or maybe i'll like run across her sometime but for the meantime i had a letter to her that i read to my sponsor and just reading just writing the letter and reading it to my sponsor like i don't feel that anger and resentment towards her anymore. It's the weirdest thing. I was like, I feel like I should have had to do something more difficult in order to feel different. And and I didn't. Um, and I recently made in my, my like big amends to my sister. <laughs> didn't go at all as I wanted. I was like, can I read this to you? And she's like, Oh, are you going to like say, a, you know, do one of those, I was wrong things again. And I'm like, she. <laughs> and um yeah it was just kind of funny how she she hates serious conversations she told me that she's like I hate serious conversations it's fine whatever you did it's fine don't worry about it stop obsessing and I'm like I would really like to to, you know give this to you and and um so I I did and and she received it and she read it and she kind of rolled her eyes at some of it and but other things she was like oh they're like I don't even remember that um and uh that's nice that was my like direct amends but my living amends has just been repairing my relationship with her and prioritizing spending time not prioritizing but spending more time with her than I did before and um I can really tell that changing like the attitude changes that happen when I work these steps when I realize Oh, (laughs) many of the problems that I ran into in my life, I have control over changing because I can change my attitude or I can ask God to help me change my attitude. When I came into SA, I talked to my sister about once every six months and that was usually her calling me and me being annoyed that she wanted to just talk at me. And um, she moved out here a couple years ago and she lived with me for a few months. And Um, I still, you know, didn't really love spending time with her, but it was getting better. And she came over, um, maybe right before, (laughs) like two days before I gave her my direct amends, and I was thinking, well, that might be a perfect time for me to do it. And, and she came over and she was just talking about some of her insecurities and, and I was able to just sit and listen to her and not tell her like oh, you're stupid. They don't think that like, you know, why do you even care? You should just be harsh and cold and not care what other people think. I didn't say anything. I just sat there and listened to her and she put her head on my shoulder. And I used to hate physical touch from her. And like with a
2: passion,
1: she's a very like pitchy person. She'll like hug you and for a long periods of time. And I just let her and, and I, I like she left and I called my sponsor I'm like what is going on I don't even know how this is possible um, so anyway those are some like gifts that have happened with my amends, um that I continue to work and it's helpful for me to talk about all the amazing experiences that I've had or the just you know humdrum experiences like okay yeah I did that and it was nice and now I can let it go cool uh, because it motivates me to want to continue working on the rest of my amends. Um, I guess I've talked a lot, a little bit about my sponsor. Um, so I have a sponsor who has a sponsor, and I also have sponsees. Um, and I've had a couple of sponsors. Uh, I've changed for various reasons, but um, I call my sponsor and go over my step work. and. I guess the thing that I relate to the most about my sponsor is that I don't make like, I ask her before thing, before I do something. <laughs> I don't like, I, I don't do something and then be like, well, I did this. So, okay. <laughs> um, it's like, I'm thinking about doing, uh, you know, going on this, this trip um, with some friends and there's a guy that I'm interested in do you think this is a good idea like what what should i do should i not go should i go and put boundaries in place which is usually the answer um and and i'm grateful that i've gotten to the point where i'm willing to accept direction <laughs> so this comes up a lot because i'm i'm dating someone right now and when I told my sponsor that, you know, he would asked me out and um, she suggested that I talk to this other woman <laughs> in the program about it because she didn't have a lot of experience with dating. And I called this lady up and she's like, <laughs> hasn't, hasn't dated as much in recovery as I have. And so I'm thinking, oh, like, I know everything. I know more than her. And like, why do I need to do this? And but I did it anyway. And it was still helpful. It kind of doesn't matter that like, you know, I've been around a little bit longer than her. I still need the support of others, regardless of, you know, how much experience I have. And uh, the other day, I was having a problem with um, with like staying up too late. And my sponsor made this like simple suggestion, like, why don't you set a timer on your phone? And I'm thinking, oh, that's like such a simple, stupid, dumb idea. Like, I don't need to do that. But whatever, I'll just do it because my sponsor told me to do it. And I did it and it worked. And I'm like, this is this is another, just another example of times when I ask for help, I receive guidance. I don't particularly like the guidance, but I do it anyway and it works. And I just love that. I love that I don't have to come up with all the ideas myself because my brain is finite and my best, best ideas got me here. Um, so yesterday morning, I um, was washing the dishes and listening to like a, a non-recovery spiritual talk. And it was about forgiveness. And I realized that I forgave my parents for what, like just the way that they raised me. And it's not like forgiveness is a one-time event. And I know like it talks in the white book, it's step eight and a half, it's like forgiving people. Um, But I don't really hold it against them anymore. And I just was like floored. This past two months have been, I feel like I'm sharing all this hope in meetings and I don't even know what to do with it. A year ago when we started like COVID lockdown, I was just annoyed and angry and full of fear. And like every share I gave, thanks. I see the five minutes. Um, Every share I gave was like, I made all the wrong decisions today. I spent the whole day obsessively sewing instead of working. (laughs) And for, for several months, it was like that. And right now it's like, all these amazing things are happening and I don't really know how to handle it, but I try not to think too much about it because that's just getting, going to get in my head and get in my way. Um, it, it really helps me to believe in like the steps and the program even more. And yeah, I, I don't know how to handle emotions. So <laughs> I'm sharing about it over and over with my sponsor, with other people in the program, because sharing gets it out of my head where I don't have to obsess about it anymore. I can just let it be what it is. Um, so this is like a little bit, (laughs) I have, um, my sponsor asked me to start writing gratitude lists about a a year and a quarter ago, um, because I was really depressed about a year, year last December, October, November, December, just, just really depressed. A bunch of things happened all at once. Like, um, you know, people died and like, not unexpectedly, but just sad things. And, and she asked me to write gratitude lists. And wasn't like one day I wrote to the gratitude list. And I was like, Oh, yes, I feel better now. It was it was slow, working over time of Oh, the things that I have in my life are actually really good. And um, that helped me, especially this past summer, I was looking for a condo. And there was just nothing like available in the market that was in my price range or that I liked. And finally got to the point where I was like, "Okay, God, you know, I really like the place where I am. You know, I think that maybe it'd be nice to move, but I I like where I'm at and I'm really grateful for the place that I've been where I've been able to be sober. And um, it just helps me stay present and and be where be where I am, not be in my head, not be somewhere else like planning things. It's not that planning is bad, but when I'm staying in the present, then I'm staying like out of the pity pot (laughs)
3: effectively.
1: And the pity pot is a dangerous place for me. Um, My sponsor specifically suggested that I talk about service um, today. So I want to mention service. Uh, It's been a really big part of my recovery and it's still a big part of my recovery. And it doesn't really matter what forms the service takes. Um, but participating in the fellowship, especially um, for me, is just been about making connections and giving back. And I don't really like find emotional highs in my service. Most of the time, it's just kind of like, okay, I got to send this email and I got to show up here and I got to, you know, do these humdrum tasks. But um, I feel like I'm a part of this fellowship when I give service and I'm not just taking from it. And, uh, cause my disease was about taking, I, I was definitely a taker. <laughs> I still take from other people, but, um, hopefully less, not hopefully, definitely less than I used to. And I notice sooner when I'm doing it because that's not how, um, recovery is going to like continue for me. I need to, I need to focus on ways that I can give because it doesn't come naturally to me. It doesn't come naturally at all. And in fact, I really got annoyed and resentful about giving to other people for quite some time in recovery. It's only been in the past like six months that I've actually wanted to give to other people most of the time without expecting anything in return, without expecting my emotional satisfaction in return without expecting anything. Um, so I would definitely encourage getting involved in service in any way that you can um, because it's worked for me <laughs> and, and I got to, you know, part of being involved in service has led me to, you know, having connections all over the world, finding, you know, meeting people that offered me the opportunity to speak today. Um, and, more phone numbers for me to call when I'm crazy in my head because I'm still pretty crazy in my head on a regular basis um so yeah thanks for letting me share and I'm Kirsten Sexaholic
3: hi everybody Denise here uh great to be here Kirsten thank you so much it's so nice to see you I wasn't sure I didn't know who was speaking this evening so it was a real pleasure to see it was you and. To see your growth. Um, it's really quite noticeable. Um, I've been privileged to be part of your journey a little bit, a tiny bit. And um, we've met and done service together. So it's it's really nice. And um, yeah, I got a lot from your share as well. Um, and you know, it's be able to feel the feelings and also around forgiveness and forgiving the past and our parents and things like that. I'm currently dealing with some family issues myself and quite heavy things. And it's just really nice to be reminded of you know, there is a solution and you know the love. I heard a lot of love in your share, and um, a lot of gratitude and yeah, so I just I'm really really nice to, to 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 hear you speak and I'll leave at that. Thanks. Thank you,
4: Denise. Next up is Neil. Neil C.
5: Thank you, Kirsten, for your story uh, and your sharing. uh, Lots of great information. And obviously, you're working and living an awesome program. One of the thoughts that struck me with uh, the cat, I'll just call him or her, Goldie, (laughs) walking in front, speaking of, is that she loves you and likes to be around you and and where you are. And I think that's... uh, a tribute to her and or him or and to you. I too have struggled uh, mightily with uh, meritocracy, feeling I'm not good enough that I have to uh, do more in order to be accepted. And one of the things that's really helped me, and one of the things I'm so grateful about SA, f- is that the more meetings I attend, the less I feel I have to to um, perform in order to be accepted because there's never been a time I've been in a meeting when I haven't felt accepted. Even when I've shared some things I thought I would never share. Uh, And so meetings have been my lifeline. That's where I've learned about unconditional love uh, and uh, is a source of real strength for me. Thanks.
4: Thank you, Neil.
6: Bill S., Thank you. Uh, Kirsten, that was just an aw- awesome uh, talk, and uh, I, I really appreciate uh, the way that you uh, make this, describe this as really a design for living rather than just uh, something you do over there as uh, as recovery and the rest of your life is separate. Um, I, I also think that your discussion of sponsorship has got to be helpful to people who are uh, just starting the journey on this because Without, without a sponsor, I would have been lost long, long ago because my uh, solutions are always scarier than my problems. So, so sponsors keep me from uh, making, making terrible, terrible mistakes. Um, and finally, I appreciated your comments about service. Um, uh, that has, uh, as you mentioned, uh, by getting involved in service at various levels, uh, including the international level, I now have friends not only around across the country, but around the world. And, um, and it just makes my recovery uh, so much richer uh, to be able to participate in that. So thank you so much for your talk. I'm going to have to leave for a doctor's appointment, but I'm glad I could stay and hear everything you had to say. Have a blessed day. Thank
4: you, Bill. Lee, you're up next.
7: Hi there. Hi, my name's Lee and I am a real sexaholic. Uh, Glad to be here and certainly glad uh, to hear your share. Uh, I loved the realness of it. Uh, It was a a real expression of feelings, methods, uh, and how to deal with those. And uh, I liked the way that felt to hear. Uh, like Neil, I also uh, actually uh, enjoyed the presence of the cat. Uh, and uh, and I, I agree with the idea of love. My doggies do the same thing. Uh, I, when I started recovery, I started in a mode of accountability. And uh, the accountability helped me from not killing myself. But as time went on, I realized that accountability was just uh, uh, support for my wanting to control things. And as accountability went along, I, I realized what it evolved into was surrender. I needed to be in surrender rather than accountability to my sponsor, the advice of others, the pools, uh, the steps. And they are what really made my life uh, uh, entirely different. So surrender was the beginning of true And I hear you're doing that. So I don't know if you have any comments on that. I uh, If you do, that's fine. If you don't, uh, I still love your share.
8: Thanks,
4: Lee. Yeah, thanks, Lee. Nancy, yes.
2: Hi, I'm Nancy Sexaholic. Um, oh, Kirsten, it's so good to see you. And um, I remember when you first came in the program, and oh, my gosh. we
4: lost you, Nancy.
2: I don't know where you lost me, but I was going to say, it's just so good to see you. And it's so good to see the smile on your face. Um, I really liked in the beginning when <clears throat> you told us, she said, I'm really nervous and I want to pray. And to me, that was so real. Um, not to be afraid to, to tell this huge group of people. Um, I really... I really like the way you said I do step one, two, three every day. I really like that a lot. I've heard before that step one is the only step you can do perfectly. And for me, it's it's not. It's something maybe it's it's the progressive victory over less thing that I become more and more and more, more aware of things as I grow in recovery. Um, You talked about forgiveness and service. And that's just so important. And somebody else mentioned about meetings. You know, for me, everyone here, just being here is service. And I'm so glad, Kirsten, that you shared your story. I'm really, really glad. Um, it's, It's a wonderful service that you're giving to us. Yeah, it's good to see you. I don't know if I have a question. I guess maybe it's just the one, two, three. How do you practice that in a practical way every day? Anyway, thanks. Thanks, Nancy.
1: Um, I think it was the reading that says, like, it actually do one steps one, two, and three every day. I don't know that I, I aspire just to... to uh, explicitly do steps one two and three every day but um I guess the thing that I do every day is I get on my knees and I ask God for the gift of one more day of sobriety that's the first thing my first sponsor told me the first day that I called her and I've done it every day since and it just reminds me I'm not the one keeping me sober I'm still powerless And uh, sometimes I add at the end, whatever is necessary to be sober today, I will do. And I usually do it in the evening because I had problems acting out in the evenings. But what I found is just I'm reminded I'm powerless over myself regularly enough during the day that I'm like, oh, yeah, still powerless. And the steps two and three are um, two is kind of like an ongoing discovery of God in my life and recognizing Finding places where he's showing up, usually through the guidance of other people. They're like, oh, maybe that was God. Maybe maybe this is like what an awesome thing God did in your life. I'm like, oh, that's right. That was that was God. And step three is, you know, attempting to bring my will into line with God's um, instead of instead of trying to ask God to do my will. <laughs> so ongoing things, not something specific that I do, but yeah.
4: Thank, thank you. you. Um, after Moine, you're up next, and after that, let's open it up to people with fewer than thirty days of sobriety as well. So, Moine.
9: Okay. Thank you. Um, can I be heard? Yes. Go ahead. Yes. Thank you. My name is Moine. I'm a sexaholic. Thank you for your great share, Kristen, and. I still have a problem in, in my recovery and, and you mentioned somehow to, to that. And I, I really can't have a good relationship with my parents, especially with my father. And, you know, uh, there, there are lots of things um, being related to our relationship. And um, the most, the most thing that is that, Whenever I'm I'm far from him and I I have my distance, physically distance, I I can't um, forgive him or I can't um, pray for him. But whenever I I have less distance and we are in in the same place, whenever I am in my parents' house, I feel lots of resentments and rage and angers against him and every single behavior of him um, annoys me and I don't know why, I don't know how but but I, I really suffer from this um, this pain in, in my head whenever he he behaves he does his normal life yes, thank you I just wanted to hear some ESH on that from you, thank you
1: Thanks. I, I actually have, I went home for Thanksgiving this year and I spent like 12 days with my parents, which is way longer than I've spent with them in a very long time. And I had a really hard time to like, it wasn't easy at all. Um, and I think I've realized that was just too long for me. It was too hard to keep myself from Like I'm not recovered enough to like handle that length of time in healthy ways. Like I did good for the first four days. I was like writing out my resentment inventories every day and writing gratitudes and making phone calls. And it's just like the habits came back. And, um, you know, (laughs) and that's, that's okay. Like I, I'm grateful that I stayed sober and I learned something from that. Like, okay, this is how much recovery I have today. I can spend this much amount of time staying in my parents' house where I grew up with them and still like have a spiritual um, response to them. Um, And after that, I kind of go downhill. And the other thing that related to that is just something that I've noticed about letting other people, have their own lives and be okay with that it's kind of a I don't know if it's me like growing or if it's just God coming in but I've noticed that sometimes people used to do things like oh I really hate when people are with other people and their phone just like dings constantly it's not like it's ringing or someone's texting them they just have these alerts or whatever and drives me nuts and it doesn't bother me anymore and it's really weird like nothing changed in me that I can think of except that I've started being able to accept other people as not me, as other than me, as having their own opinions, as having their own practices and the things they do, like, why did they have to keep affecting me? Part of that is just working on my resentment inventories for step four um, and continuing to ask God to save me from my anger. (laughs) I tell my sponsees, I'm like, this is the important part of the prayer. Ask God to save you from your anger because you can't do it. Um, so that's what I got. Thanks.
9: Thank you so much.
4: Thank you, Moin. and Kirsten. um, there's a question in the chat from Shipra. Uh, Let's see. The question says, for me, resentment against my parents was the backbone to my disease and to forgive them took the soul out of me. So excruciating, so much drama, but I think. Um, I accepted that they did what they knew best but I still snap out at them sometimes so what do you suggest I need to do more what according to you is the next stage of forgiveness I do daily sobriety renewals too on a regular basis that's the question
1: um thank you for the question um i don't i don't know <laughs> to be honest I still am not perfect about the way that I relate to my parents, I can be dismissive. I can get angry. uh, I can withhold information from them. I'm, I'm not perfect. (laughs) I still have character defects. And, um, I think it's what you said, like, uh, accepting that they did the best they knew how, and then accepting that they are people with their own unique flaws and faults that aren't mine but they get to have them too Um, and being willing for them to have faults. I don't, I don't know. I'm just pulling things out of like, that kind of makes sense in my head. So (laughs) I think just time and practice, you know, has been helpful for me. It took me like, I think a year, my sponsor told me, okay, well, when your sister says this thing that really bothers you, just tell her like, thank you for your opinion. And because it's her opinion, it's not like a judgment on your life. And it took me like a year before I could actually say that to her when it happened in the moment. So, um, yeah, just keep, keep, keep going. (laughs) Time changes things too. Thanks. I'm Kirsten.
10: Thank Kirsten.
4: Uh, next up Bartley.
10: Hi, uh, my name is Bartley. I'm powerless over lust and um, I put my hand up because um, I think I'm just over 30 days in this program. And um, thank you, Kristin. Uh, I really enjoyed listening to you and I've I, um, I, 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 I'm, I've got a lot of admiration for people who can comfortably speak about God and their higher power and I'm really struggling with that. But I, I really wanted to say... I, and I, I don't know if I'm this, um, derailing from the the meeting, but I I really um, like what Moen Moan said from the, talking about having trouble with his father. Um, I'm, I, I have two sons, and they're both um, they're like 32 and 34 years old, and with with one of them, it's just so. Um, stilted it's 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 dead as my oldest lad um he wants nothing to do with me and it's killing me you know and um i've you know i've been going around saying i'm an atheist for a long time because i i had lost my concept of my higher power but more recently i i'm i'm coming around to Thinking that I'm just so angry with my higher power, and and I can't even do. Uh, I mean, I my step one is coming to a meeting.
8: What time.
10: Step two is coming to another meeting. Um, and um, I, I wish I could pray. Anyway, I did.
4: Thank you, Bartley. Uh, next up is Mohammed with 1M.
11: Hi, this is Mohammed. grateful to Halek. Thanks, Christian, for your share. And uh, thank you for talking about your emotions and sharing them with, with your sponsor and with other members of the fellowship. Uh, I have hard time dealing with my feelings. I didn't use to deal with them before. Of course, I used to act them out, use lust, Every time I have any feelings and uh, I thought uh, at some point, I thought I don't have any feelings because I couldn't identify them anymore. I used to run away from them. And now I feel like negative feelings are are very heavy on me. And can you share something about dealing how, dealing about them? What should I do? Like accept them, talk about them. Uh, write them. I, I don't know if you have any experience about dealing with uh, feelings. I would appreciate to hear about it. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Muhammad. Um That's a really good question. Um, I know that talking about them helps somewhat and I think I think what helped me was like giving them to my higher power Because like, I was very sad when my friend died last year to a year and a half ago. And that's natural. That's normal. Like that would be expected. And I was sad that a couple of other things happened right at the same time. Um, and I knew it was okay to feel sad, but I still didn't like it because it affected the rest of my life. It affected my ability to do what I thought I needed to do. And um, writing gratitude lists helped me and talking about it. I feel like <laughs> the overarching theme of a lot of my program is just like rigorous honesty with self and others and God. <laughs> I have to tell other people what's going on with me because they don't just have like you know telepathy knowing what I'm doing, how I'm feeling. Um, <laughs> someone called me yes. I was talking to someone yesterday. And they're like, "How are you?" And I'm like, "I'm doing great. I'm doing fine. How are you?" And I was like, "That's not actually. I just said that because I'm you know that's the standard response. I'm not actually doing fine. I'm this is how I'm doing. It's been a rough two days. Like I just went and you know couldn't stand my diet anymore. <laughs> like <laughs> went out and got something on the fringe and um, yeah, like just being honest about how I'm feeling helps me feel heard. I don't know if that's helpful. Thanks.
9: Thanks Thanks a lot.
4: Thanks Kirsten. We, we have time for maybe two more shares. We have uh, first Jenna and then John H. So go ahead, Jenna.
8: Hi, I'm Jenna. I'm a sexaholic. Thanks so much, Kirsten. I can't tell you you know, how life-changing it is for me who uh, I have my 50 days or so and I'm coming back to SA having been in for maybe five to seven years back in 2000 and sober for you know a year and a half at a time. And I just wasn't ready, I guess, or who knows? And I needed to have another 10 years of wreckage. And it's just so good. I, I had reservations, you know? And anyway, to hear you is so good. And you reminded me of something um, so key for me, which is if I'm not doing inventories on my fears and resentments, then I'm going to necessarily escape from them one way or another. And right now fantasy and like, Oh, I should take this action. I should take that action. I don't even know I'm white knuckling it. Um, I am starting to call more people and talk about it, which is a huge step, but that, that was a big part for me that really that was a huge part of my recovery before was to stop and, and deal with those feelings. Like, and, and it's amazing to see that in the past 10 years or so of um, being in my other programs, but not not in SA. And without SA, I've got nothing. Um, without sexual sobriety, I can't be sober in any area, really, um, that I got used to being in fear and resentment. And, and, and having that sick, sick head. So I'm so, so grateful. And I'm also hoping that we do phone numbers at the end of this meeting. And if not, I'll just keep coming back because I'd love to get your number. Thanks everyone. Thanks, Kristen.
12: Yeah. Hi, sorry. I missed your speech. Uh, Kristen, I came in late. I just pop on to see which ones are available every day. Now I was in meetings in 2019 and I should have stuck with them. Um, but I'm back now. I'm doing meetings every day. Thanks to zoom. Um, and some of the shares that, that are heard, um, m- my daughters now are not, are not talking with me. So that, that does kill me. So I really identify with that. Um, what I heard from other people is it takes time, just takes a little bit of time, um, for them to, to come back and, and want to talk with you again. Um, and you know, I, um, it, it's just that they felt like I was not a part of their lives and they felt like, you know, so. I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful to to talk with everybody today and to see everybody online who has similar issues. Um, you know, I still love them. And, you know, there's, they, for 15 years, I raised them, but, um, you know, not being a part of their lives is tough. But I, I also know that coming clean and being, being, um, being aware of the issues is a big part of, uh, you know, get it, getting better. So Time. I appreciate everybody. Yep. Yep. Time.
0: I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of the daily reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to the daily reprieve